0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church celebrates the great feast of Jesus' body and blood, what we as a church used to call Corpus Christi Sunday. Now what I want to do is turn immediately to the second reading from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Essentially, in this passage, Paul gives us a summary of what transpired at the time of the Last Supper. Now, this is the earliest account of the Last Supper. Paul wrote this letter in the year 50 to 51 AD. And so, we listen. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, this account from Paul was written before any of the Gospels. Now, the very first or the earliest Gospel was from Mark, and that was written 10 to 15 years after Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And so, Paul is giving the Corinthian people, as well as us, the exact account, in fact, even verbatim, what transpired at the time of the Last Supper, and what Jesus said in order to consecrate the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ for the apostles. And now Paul is telling us to utter those same words in order that the same effect may take place during our Mass which is the consecration. And so it begs the question, how does Paul know the exact words of Jesus Christ spoken at the time of the Last Supper? And how does he know exactly what transpired at an event he never attended? The Last Supper was something Paul never witnessed, and yet he knows about it in great detail what transpired and exactly what Jesus said. More to it, Paul is emphasizing the most important words of the Last Supper. In this case, the important words of our Eucharist, the words of the consecration, the words of Jesus Christ. Those very words we believe as Catholics are able to turn the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so, we have to ask ourselves, how does Paul know in such great detail about an event i.e. the Last Supper, an event that he never attended or was witness to. More to it, how does he know the very words, the words of consecration spoken by Jesus Christ, that are so vital to our Eucharist and Mass? Well, it seems like it's a mystery, but Paul lends a clue for us at the beginning of the passage for this weekend. Paul says, I received from the Lord what i also handed on to you the first thing that we can take from this is paul received these words before he even wrote the letter to the corinthians better yet paul tells us the source of whom he received all this information and the source is jesus christ himself see scholars will point to galatians chapter 1 verse 17 in which paul describes his conversion on that road to damascus After his conversion and his baptism, Paul didn't immediately go to Jerusalem and confer with the apostles. No, instead he fled into the Arabian Desert and he spent three years there. Now, the Arabian Desert is mostly a wilderness region where very few people live, where no one, no one at all could have instructed Paul but God himself. More to it, that reference to the Arabian Desert It contains within it Mount Sinai, and it strongly suggests Paul's journey to Mount Sinai, which is the place where Moses and Elijah spoke intimately with God. Well, Paul spent three years in this area before he finally made his way back to Jerusalem to confer with the apostles. Well, with that in mind, now it helps us appreciate the second reading from Paul to the Corinthians even more especially on this feast of Jesus' body and blood. And so we read it again. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Well, Paul is describing Jesus' consecration at the time of the Last Supper, as he consecrates the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Well, 2,000 years later, we continue that same tradition, using those exact same words. And only the power of the Word of God spoken by Jesus at the time of the Last Supper can change the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Christ for us every time we celebrate Mass. And as Catholics, we call this act the consecration. And it is at the consecration that the priest holds the host up in the air and utters those words that Jesus spoke at the time of the Last Supper. And those words, the words of Jesus Christ, have the power to command the Holy Spirit to descend upon the altar and change the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the priest places the host down and then he genuflex out of reverence and love, knowing that the presence of God now is right in front of him on the altar. The same thing holds true. He takes the chalice and he utters the words of Jesus Christ at the time of the Last Supper. And then he places the chalice down. Again, he genuflects out of reverence and love, knowing that the presence of God now is right in front of him, just inches away. That's why the assembly is all kneeling at the time of the consecration. It's the posture of pure respect out of the presence of God now in their own midst. Now Paul continues. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Well, just as the Jews celebrate Passover, which is the recognition and the celebration of their deliverance from slavery in Egypt to the Promised Land, so, when we celebrate the Eucharist and Mass, we celebrate our deliverance of slavery, the slavery of sin and death, and we remember the sacrifice of Calvary as well as the resurrection. Taking a step further, Jesus' body and blood that we share is one in which now we participate in a life with Jesus Christ. Another way to think about it is when we take in Jesus' body and blood we enter into a communion of life with God. I'll give you a great analogy to help you appreciate this and understand it better. It's the image of an infant in the womb of its mother. For approximately nine months, the infant continues to be nourished by the mother's body and blood through the umbilical cord. It's an act of receiving life in the child, and it's an act of giving life by the mother. Now, the whole time, the mother is constantly changing in her life for the benefit of the infant. She maybe eats a better diet. She maybe starts to take supplemental vitamins. Maybe she watches her caffeine intake. She does all these things so that the child in her womb may benefit by it. The mother is very conscious of a communion of life that she shares with her infant And it's a communion of life they share unlike any other in this world. It's a body-blood relationship that they have together. Now, take that analogy and apply it to us and God through the Eucharist. Every time we come to Mass, we are nourished by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It's an act of receiving life on our part and an act of giving life on the part of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we enter into a communion of life with God. Now, go back to the analogy with the infant in the womb of its mother. During that entire time in the womb, as the child is being fed, it's also growing and developing. Until after approximately nine months, it's now ready. It's now ready and strong enough to be born into this world. Well, the same thing happens with us. During our entire time of our life, we, like that infant, are constantly being fed by Jesus when we come to Mass every week. And throughout our lifetime, we're constantly growing and developing in our faith lives until the end of our life. And at the end of our life, now we are ready. Now we are strong enough to journey from this world to the world that we are all tending to, the world of heaven. And see, that's the beauty of the Eucharist, that Jesus leaves behind for us. It is the Eucharist that strengthens us in this world, but better yet, it prepares us for the world to come, the world of heaven. One last thought. Turn in the gospel. Here we have the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, in all the miracles that Jesus performs, it's always super abundant. It's always over the top more than the people need. Here, Jesus feeds 5,000 people from just a few loaves and a few fish. But not only that, the people are filled to the brim, and there's an enormous amount of leftovers. What does this mean for us? The grace that we receive from the body and blood of Jesus Christ is always superabundant, always over the top, such that when we leave the church after Mass, The grace we receive from the body and blood of Jesus Christ, it strengthens us to leave the church, go back into the world, and live out our faith lives, despite the challenges we may have. Also, that little detail, it says that Jesus gave the loaves and the fish to the disciples to set before the crowd. Jesus gives the food to the apostles first and allows the apostles to then feed the people. The symbolism is rich. Yes, Jesus feeds us with his body and blood, but we're only fed through the church. Only in the church do we find Jesus' body and blood. That's why it's so vital, so important for us to stay and remain in the church so we can always be fed by Jesus Christ and always remain in that communion of life that we share with God now and forever. And it's a communion of life that strengthens us in this world and prepares us for the world to come, the world of heaven. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.